We're just going to come around uh, the word today, and I, I want to continue on a bit of a theme uh, that I started last week around how uh, God can do a lot with our little. I spoke uh, a message last Sunday called His Best at Our Worst, and how many know that even on a bad day, God can do some really good things, yeah, uh, right, especially man. with us and, and through us, it's kind of a special, speciality. Um, I'm reminded of that passage where the Apostle Paul said his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so I just want to continue along uh, those lines this morning. So if you've got a Bible, I preached this, this kind of bit of this message about four or five years ago. You'll have forgotten it, but um, just because we've been moving, but it just really fits in with uh, this theme that we're on. I want to go to three different places and kind of read them together, you'll, you'll, you'll get what I mean in just a moment. And they're not in its entirety going to come up on the screen. So if you do have a Bible, I encourage you to go to Exodus chapter 4, the book of Exodus. And then also, and keep your finger there, then go to 2 Kings chapter 4. I'll give you some time to find, find that. And then Mark chapter 8 in the New Testament. So Exodus 4, 2 Kings 4. And Mark chapter 8. I don't know if it's possible to bookmark that, but um, we'll, hopefully this will work. Let's just pray. God, I thank you for your words this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence on your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit just illuminating uh, your words of truth. Not, not subjective truth, objective truth. You are the truth. And I pray that you would have your way. Uh, wherever it needs to be had this morning in us, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. A few years ago, um, probably six or seven years, my math ain't great, but uh, my youngest daughter, Madison, and she's not here, so I can embarrass her, but uh, she's downstairs. Well, she can't hear me. Uh, she, uh, she came uh, out of the kitchen uh, clearly hiding something behind her back. I could see that she was hiding something, but she wasn't uh, letting me know what that was. And when I asked her, hey, hey, honey, what, what, what are you holding in your hand? She said, I got nothing. I got nothing, Dad, I got nothing in, in uh, my hand. And, and then she ran off down the hallway. She bolted. And I don't know about you, but the police tell you that innocent people don't run, right? So she's got something. In, in her hand, and so I followed her down the hallway, and I asked her again, honey, what, what do you have in your hand? And she said, Dad, I have nothing. I have nothing in my hand. And, uh, I have nothing turned out to be my scorched almonds, and uh, that wasn't good. And, there are, and anyway, I don't know if you've ever tried to pry chocolate from the hands of a four-year-old. It's very hard. They've got like a vice-like grip, and I wasn't going to be eating those anyway. They were sweaty and melted. But I just, I just want to talk uh, to you this morning about the ability of God to take what we may regard as, as nothing. I have nothing. Uh, and what we may regard as insignificant and, and small and his ability to do something great, great with it. So I've entitled this message, if you're taking notes, what's in your hand? What is in your hand? What have you have? What do you have in your hand? Because what I've found, and I've found this from my own life as well, that many of us, we keep our hands closed tightly. And, and it's normally from this belief that what we have is really of little value or purpose. And, and, and so in doing that and holding our hands or hiding what we have in our hands, we fail to realize that 
in releasing the little that we do have, God can then release into us what He has, which is far, far bigger. And there are many, many Bible stories uh, that illustrate this ability of God to use the little of what we have and, and do great things with it. And, and with us, uh, just a few of them off the top of my head that I've written down, Samson in the book of Judges, we read that he had a, a donkey's jawbone, I think it was, but yet with it, he slayed like a thousand or so men just with, by himself with what was in his hand. David uh, in 1 Samuel, he had just a sling, right? And a few stones in his hand, not a lot, just a little bit, but yet with that, he defeated the giant Goliath, right? Yeah. Uh, an unnamed boy in the Gospels in Matthew 14, he had just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish in his hands, just lunch for himself, but with it, God fed 5,000 people. And so we see this theme running right throughout the pages of Scripture where God clearly takes our little where we are willing to give it to Him and does great things with it. He does big things with it. And, and I just wonder, what is in your hand? What is in my hands? What, what do we have in our hands that we need to release to God so that He can release what He has over us? What is it that maybe we regard as nothing? I've got nothing in my hands. Where He's actually more than willing to work with us with what, what we have. And so in Exodus chapter 4, and in 2 Kings chapter 4, and in Matthew chapter 8, we see this principle in action. And I just want to go through these uh, sort of systematically, if you will. Let's go Exodus chapter 4. And again, it won't come up on the screens. If you haven't got a Bible, trust me that I'm, I'm reading it out. The context of Exodus 4 is a, around the story of Moses, who has just found out in chapter 3 and into chapter 4 that he's been chosen by God to uh, re rescue all of Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And it's an assignment that he's having a whole lot of trouble accepting. Moses is a reluctant leader. And if you read chapter 3, you'll find Moses is full of excuses why he's not the right guy for this mission. He's saying things like, who am I that you, you'd send me? You've you got the wrong guy, God. And it says in verse 1 of Exodus 4, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Or suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. What if, what if they say that? And we are hearing more of these excuses of Moses and they continue here. And, and, and basically, uh, this belief that he has around, around the bigness of what God was asking him to do and the little that he had to offer in his mind. And he was anxious as anything about what God was calling him to do. And so Moses cries out in desperation to God for help. And he turns to, uh, God turns to Moses in verse 2, and that will come up on the screen. And, and God says to him in response to his complaining, he says, Moses... What is that in your hand? Tell me, what do you have in, in your hand? So just pause with me there and go over to 2 Kings chapter 4. And we read about 
a, a widow who's about to lose everything, her household, her children. It says uh, in verse 1 of 2 Kings 4, let me read that to you. It says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming now to take my two sons to be his slaves. And so this woman, having just experienced the loss of her husband, now without any income to service her debts, and she is facing this massively uncertain future. Her sons are about to be taken from her to pay what she owes. And so this widow, she's overwhelmed by her circumstance and, and the little that she has because of this belief again that she has nothing to offer, she cries out in desperation to the man of God, Elisha, for help. And Elisha turns to her and he says to her, verse 2 on the screens, What shall I do for you? Elisha says, Tell me this, what do you have in your house? In other words, what do you have in your hand? Pause there for a moment, go over to Mark chapter 8, the third passage of Scripture here, and you'll begin to realize there's a theme going on. In Mark chapter 8, we read about the miraculous feeding of 4,000. It says in verse 1 of Mark 8, In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, verse 2, Mark 8, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Verse 4 says, And the disciples answered him and said, What? How, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? And so the disciples are puzzled as to what Jesus is saying or what he was at least suggesting to them. So a great crowd had been following them for days and now they had nothing to eat. But it was obvious there was a problem fast developing that the disciples had no answer for. And they had no idea what to do because of their belief that they had nothing to offer. We've got nothing to help here. And so they cry out in frustration to Jesus for help. And Jesus replies to them, verse 5 on the screens, he says, How many loaves do you have? In other words, tell me what do you have in your hand? What do you you have. And so here we have these three completely unrelated, disconnected passages, three unrelated accounts, three different set of adverse circumstances, three seemingly unsurmountable problems that need some kind of great intervention. Three people clueless about what to do next, three desperate cries for help. And interestingly, in the every single situation here, the answer comes in the exact same way with the exact same inference. What do you have? I got nothing to get. What do you, Moses, what is in your hand? Widow, what do you have in the house? Disciples, how many loaves do you have? And, and I want to suggest to you and those who are listening to this later, the common thread here is worthy of some pondering. It's worthy just to kind of camp around for, for just a, a little bit. And, and I, I ask sort of these sorts of questions. What if the pathway, the road to seeing God do something big 
in our lives begins with us doing something small. What if in order to see God do something great and big, we've first got to do something little, something small. How many of us are looking to God for breakthrough when perhaps God is looking to us to start it, to begin it with, with what we've had, have? And what, what is it that you already have right now that God is waiting for you to use? But we're like, oh, I've got, got nothing. I don't have anything in my, in my hands. It's just of, of no Exodus 4. Moses, what is in your hand? And, and Moses is coming up with every excuse under the sun about what he doesn't have. I can't do this. I, 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 I stutter. I'm the wrong guy. You've, you've picked, picked the wrong person. But God looks at what he does have. And, and if you've ever thought you know, about yourself, about your gifts and talents, about who you are, and you've ever thought, man, I don't have a, a lot to offer, wait till you hear this. We'll keep on reading. In Exodus 4. It continues, if we go back there, and no more slides, it says, Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses looks down at his hands, and it's verse 2 of Exodus 4, and what he essentially says when he looks at his hand, he says, I have a stick. That's, that's it, it's a rod or a staff. It's a glorified stick for whacking sheep. That is what Moses had in his hand. Uh, and, and, and he's like, what do you mean? What do I have in my hand? I'm freaking out here and you're asking me that. I've got nothing, God. How is a stick supposed to help me right now to do the thing that you're calling me? What am I supposed to do with the stick? Whack the Pharaoh over the head? Like, take that, you dirty dictator. Like, he just had a stick. That, that was it. Second Kings chapter 4. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house. And she said to Elisha, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. That's it. I got you. You're, you're talking about what I have. My kids are about to be taken from me. Elisha, you're not understanding what I'm telling you. Part of my sons are being taken from me and sold as slaves. Do you not understand? I'm out of options and you're asking me this. I have nothing. How is a jar of oil supposed to help me? Moses is saying, how is a stick supposed to help me in this? Mark chapter 8, a third passage, verse 5. Jesus asks them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. <laughs> there are thousands of people here wanting to be fed we have nothing we have we have seven loaves and i don't know jesus if you're any good at maths matthew the tax collector should be able to help us here but that is not enough to even feed the 12 of us let alone 4,000 people what are we supposed to do with seven loaves of bread you know feed them breadcrumbs i don't know how are seven loaves of bread supposed to help we have nothing why, why is it that we often look at ourselves and what we have with eyes of lack rather than eyes of opportunity? You know, I mean, God couldn't possibly use me. I've only, I only have this in my hand. It's a stick. It's a jar of oil. It's just a few loaves, loaves of bread. Listen, God can do a lot with your little. He can do a whole lot with your little. Like we said last week, God can do his best when you're at your, your worst. 
Let me repeat what I started with. When we release the little of what's in our hand, God can then release what's in His. And many of us in thinking, oh man, I don't have a lot to give. We're actually forfeiting the providence of God by believing He could never use us. And we actually become a self-fulfilling prophecy. We've got to be really careful what we confess because when we close our hands, I don't believe God can open His. But what if, friends, what if God wasn't interested in what you don't have, but He was interested in what you do have? What if God wasn't interested in what you don't have, but only what you do? What if your, I only have this, to God is, that's enough. That's more than enough for me to use. You want to know what he can do with a stick? You want to know what he can do with a jar of oil? You want to know what God can, can do with just a few loaves of bread? Let's go back to this again. Exodus chapter 4, as I said, we're going to bounce through these three passages, verse 2 of Exodus 4, then the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? A staff, he replied, it's my sheep whacker. And then verse 3, the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And it says, Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And the next part is one of the funniest passages of scripture. It says, and he ran from it. I just think it's funny. Stick, snake, run. <laughs> verse 4, then the Lord said to him, Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of that snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. And then he said this, this said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. What my supernatural power with just a stick is going to convince all of these millions of Israelites that you have been set and that I'm going to do great things through you. 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing at all except a small jar of oil. Verse 3, 2 Kings 4, Elisha said, Go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few and then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons pour oil into all the jars as each is filled. Put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she just kept pouring. Verse 6, when all of the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's no jars left. And then the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7, she went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live off what is left. Incredible. Incredible. Mark chapter 8. How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them and also told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 people were present. Friends, what is it about God that can start with our only, start with our little, start with I have nothing, and then finish with more than enough? It's incredible and amazing. What does it say about a God when he's done, what is left over is more than, we, than what we began with? Incredible. It's amazing. How about abundant? 
How about extravagant? How about one who is able to do immeasurably more, uh, uh, abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine? And it says a lot about God and, and what he can do through these three passages. But listen, it, it, says, it says something about you. It says something about what, what you have. It says actually that you have a lot to offer. Even in your little, I, I've got nothing. You have a lot, to, regardless of what you think you have, you have something significant, perhaps more than you know, because there is over every single person here and those listening, a significant call over your life. There is a significant call over, over your life. No matter how small you may think it is, God can do great things with you. And what you believe may be nothing he can do something great. What you think is not even worth uh, mentioning. It's just a stick. It, 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 it's just a jar of oil. It's just a few loaves of bread. God's like, oh, wait till you see this. That's nothing. Watch what I can do with your little. I can do a lot. And maybe you're at a place today where you're asking God, you know, maybe from a place of lack, you go, how do I get out of this place? How do I get out of this place of, of restriction or a, a place of frustration or a place maybe of desperation where it feels like you've got, you've got nothing to, to give. In Matthew 14, we read about the other food multiplication account. There was actually two in the Bible, in the Gospels. It's the feeding of 5,000 with five loaves of fish, uh, five loaves of bread. You don't get loaves of fish, actually. Uh, you get loaves of bread and, and two fish. And in Matthew 14, this is on the screen, it says that when the disciples tried to send the multitudes away to go back home and buy food, Jesus said to them, verse 16 of Matthew 14, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Wow. They don't need to go away. You do something. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we've only got five loaves and two fish. Again, repeating, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Similar pattern emerging. But notice how Jesus responds. He says, you give them something to eat. And I love that. You give them something. Despite the bigness of the task, Jesus told the disciples, they actually have something to give in this equation, in this miracle formula, if you, if you, if you will. It, it, and it's the same with you and I, friends. We have this capacity the potential with what we have, even if you think and believe it's just a little, to impact many, to feed many, to change many, to help many people, to lead more people to Christ than we, than we realize. Let me just throw out a couple of passages. One passage to you, 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power, not our power, not our strength, not our talent, not our ability, not our performance, but His divine power. All on Jesus, right? It's the great truth of the gospel. It didn't come cheap, but I got it for free, right? It's all Christ's performance so that I don't have to try hard. It's all on Him. His divine power has given us everything, all that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him through a relationship with Him who calls us by His glory and by His goodness. But Jesus, I, I, I've only got five loaves and two fish. I've only got a stick. I've only got a jar of oil. I've only got a few gifts. I'm only this. 
I'm not much. Listen, be careful what you confess with your lips. Be careful what you declare about what you believe about yourself. Because the one that you see is the one you will be. That rhymes. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Proverbs says, uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, so is he. And instead, if we see ourselves as the vessels that God wants to pour into and open up to him with what we do have, and and maybe we say, it's not much, God, (laughs) but I know you can do something great with it. I don't have much, but what I do have I'm going to give to you. I'm going to open my hand because I know you're the type of God who will take the small and do something great. Verse 18 of this passage in Matthew 14. Jesus says, bring them here to me. We've only got five loaves. Bring it to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Verse 20, then they ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Sorry, ladies and kids. I don't know why they're not counting you here, but there's probably at least double that again that were fed. Fed, but I love what Jesus says. Bring it here. Give, give it whatever you have. Bring it to me. Whatever you have, give it to God. Give it to him. Release it. Open up your hand. Give it to him and watch it grow. Watch it multiply. Watch what he can do with just a sheep whacker, a, a funny stick. Watch what he can do with just a small jar of oil when it looks like you're about to lose everything. Watch what he can do with some kid's lunch that he brought along to listen to a guy called Jesus. Bring them here to me. He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. What's in your hand? It's not nothing. It is not nothing. It may be small. It might seem insignificant. But listen, it's enough. And it's more than what you probably think. It's more than what you think. Maybe the bank could come. Man, when you think about what you have to give, maybe it's been a season that's been trying. Maybe it's been a great season. Whatever that is, what you have, it, it may seem small. What's in your hand may seem insignificant, but, but it's enough for God to work with. And I believe all over this place and those who may be listening online, there may be people carrying sticks. There may be people here with just a jar of oil. Maybe it's a quarter empty. Maybe it just has a few drops left in it. Maybe you just brought your lunch. You just have, that's all you got, just enough to feed myself to get by today. And it's enough for God to work with. And you may be sitting here like Moses, like the widow, like the disciples. You may be facing something huge in your life. You may be facing an obstacle or a challenge or some insurmountable seemingly thing that you've got to get through. 
Maybe it's a challenge. Maybe it's some kind of adversity. Maybe it's a dream that just feels a little too far out of reach with the resources that you currently have and they don't seem to match up. How can I see this when this is, this is all I have? Maybe it's just a desire to do something more with your life, but you're not sure where to begin. How do I start? What, what do I need to, to, to get? Maybe you're praying to God just like these three passages, the, 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 the widow and Moses and the disciples, and you're crying out to Him in desperation or in frustration maybe and you're saying God I, I need something else I need more I don't have enough I don't I don't have enough to to make it I don't think I've got enough to, to have what it what it takes listen the good news is God is replying to you right now through the pages of scripture and he's saying his answer is this what's in your hand what do you have what's in your house what is that in in your hand what have you got listen he wants to use you powerfully he wants to open his hand over you would you open your hand to him today. So just while every head maybe is bowed right now, I, I want to pray. I want to declare some truth about who you are because of who he is. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the God of the more than enough. Thank you. Clearly, we can see that you can take our little and do something great. Thank you. It appears so clear from the pages of Scripture that you can take the, a crumb. You can take an empty jar. You can take a piece of wood and use it powerfully. You can multiply things. You can expand things. You can... Use our little for miracles. And it is just like you. As we have been looking these past couple of weeks, even in our weakness, even in our brokenness, even on our worst day, we read from the book of Acts with Paul and Silas on their way to church were kidnapped, beaten, thrown in jails, locked in shackles, and they began to respond with praise. Even on, at our worst, you can do your best. Even with the little that we have, you can do something great. And so I pray, God, Holy Spirit, would you convince us to look at what we do have and see it through your eyes and open our hands. Would you open your hands to Him? And maybe this morning that might be your life you need to open to Him. Maybe you've been closed off to God. Or maybe you've been waiting for Him to do something to, while you kind of just kind of uh, do nothing. And I pray that this would be a reminder to you that maybe He's waiting for you to do what you can so that He will do the rest. God, I pray for every person here today, every person listening and watching this later. Thank you that you're a God who takes our little and does dramatic things with it. Right now, even, we open our hands to you. You may want to do that literally. You may want to do that just 
symbolically in your heart and say, God, I've, I feel like I've only got a stick. I feel like I've just got a, a jar of oil. But I give that to you. I give you my life, my talents. reminded of the passage, I can't remember where it is, where parable of the talents, where one of the men who's given talents to hold while the master was away, a parable of Jesus, he buries it in the ground. He's criticized for not even putting it in the bank, at least where you'd gain interest. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying over one or two people here today, do not bury your self-worth. Do not bury the little of what you've been given. And we tend to do that when we don't understand the extravagant God that we serve. And that was the problem with that manager. He, he took what he had, the small talent that he'd been given to look after and steward. And unlike the other two, he buried it. He buried it in the ground and his excuse was, well, at least I'll get back. I'll give you back what I had. And he was disciplined for it. Don't bury your worth. You're worth way more than just burying it in the ground. Give us your eyes, Jesus, to see ourselves in the light of the glory of God, in the light of our salvation, in the light of our own transformation and deliverance and ongoing sanctification, purpose and hope and call. Would you stand with me as we...